Well, it is the last week of our spiritual growth campaign. And uh, we, just, we have been asking ourselves the question, how can we grow as Christians? Um, and um, the, the, the idea that this series has been based on is that we grow the same way anything God created grows. Um, when the right conditions are present, one will grow. So a plant is going to grow if it is exposed to sunshine if it is exposed to water, if it's planted in good soil, it is going to grow naturally. And I believe God has given all Christians certain resources to grow. So, in other words, how can I grow as a Christian? We have sought to answer that question in this series by focusing on the resources that God has given us to grow. Um, And if we use them, you will. You will make tangible spiritual progress in your life. Um, So we talked about the necessity in keeping in step with the Holy Spirit, who is producing certain fruits in you, and who is allowing you to destroy, to kill the flesh, to mortify sin inside of you. You're not enslaved to sin as a Christian. You are not. You have the ability to mortify the flesh. So vivify righteousness by the power of the Holy Spirit and mortify sin by the power of the Holy Spirit. You can do that. Next, the Word of God is a resource that God has given us. And Psalm 1 speaks about God's Word like a tree, a man who immerses himself in God's Word, like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And the man or the woman who immerses himself, herself or himself in the word of God will grow, will have a steady supply of what is life-giving in their life. We mentioned the importance of drawing near to God in spiritual proximity through worship. So I, I, that passage in Hebrews 4.16, do you need grace and mercy sometimes? I know I do. Hebrews says, draw near to the throne of grace so that you might receive grace and mercy in times of trouble. So the way you draw near to God in spiritual proximity is through prayer. So we spoke about developing a vibrant prayer life and how to do that. Last week, we spoke about devoting yourself to the fellowship of the saints. All right, so spirituality for a Christian is not some private endeavor that we do on a mountain somewhere. You cannot grow spiritually without the brotherhood. This is a community endeavor. Um, That's why we're told not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. And we spoke about the necessity of devoting yourself to the fellowship, just like they did in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, which is a beautiful verse and I think is the paradigm for the local church. The last gift I want to speak about today then that God has given us to grow with is earthly possessions. So let me start off with a, uh, a story. Last year, um, around Christmas time, Wesley had uh, a Christmas bazaar at Chapel Field, and the kids would take their money and they would buy Christmas presents. And my son Wesley uh, went to this Christmas bazaar at Chapel Field and bought me a present with, with 
with money. And, amen. And he went to this little Christmas shop at Shabbatfield, purchased this gift for me, and he wrapped it in red wrapping paper and put on one of those stickers that says, Joy to the World. And he brought it home a few weeks before Christmas, so I didn't open it before Christmas, and it was a plaque when I opened it Christmas Day, I was excited to see it was what it was, and it was a wooden plaque that says "Joy to the World" on it, and it was um, it was really a, a precious gift. Now, I cherish that gift, but here are the facts behind that gift. Number one, I supplied the money for Wesley to purchase that gift for me, and then. Ask yourself, based on that fact, since he purchased it with my money, why is it so precious to me? It's because, the answer is this, it's because he took what I gave him and repurposed it to bring me joy. And that's a precious thing to a father. I I believe that is an analogy for Christian stewardship. God has given you everything you have. Everything you have. But every blessing he pours out, you can turn back to praise. You can repurpose that thing to praise God. And so stewardship is the essence of stewardship for a Christian is to redirect back to God what he has given to you. That's my thesis today. Every blessing God has given to you, you can redirect back to him in praise. That's the essence of Christian stewardship that we are talking about today, and I believe it is a path for Christian growth because part of Christian growth is fruitfulness and usefulness to God in this life. So I want to talk about first the theological basis. I want to convince you biblically that you don't own anything. You're a steward. The view I, I would want to challenge you is that you, everything you have, you've been given. Um, Paul uses this in, um, among the Corinthians, that singularly sinful congregation, to combat pride. In 1 Corinthians 4, 7, they were, they were, um, they were very proud about their spiritual progress and gifts. Um, And Paul says, for who sees anything different in you? 1 Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And then if you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? So what do you have that you did not receive? Paul asks the Corinthians who are boastful about their spirituality. So the assumption that the Corinthians were under is that everything they had, including their abilities, are things that they've somehow created from out of themselves, from out of their own resources, that they've somehow created ex nihilo, out of nothing. They just, re- they just produced it out of their own abilities. And Paul undercuts that assumption and tells them that the correct way to think about what they own is to think about it as something that they have been given. What do you have that you did not receive? And not only what they own, but what they are. 
So I want to challenge you to look at everything in your life as something given to you, not something you own. Now, most of your hard workers here, I'm looking out, I, I see that you've put a lot of effort into your life. And so you might say, now, wait a second, Pastor. I worked really hard for my money. And, you know, I, I deserve that. And, that, and I, did, I did work for that. And I want to commend you because that is true. You did work for that. However, however, who gave you the ability to earn that living that you, that you have made for yourself? Here's what God tells the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8, 17 and 18. I find this so interesting. He says, beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That is powerful. And I think that stands today, and that is the idea the Apostle Paul is communicating to the Corinthians when he asks the question, what do you have that you did not receive? You didn't earn your ability. Now, you certainly sowed into it, but I want to challenge you to view everything you have in light of God's providence in your life. Now, if, here's, the, here's the good part about this. If I view what I have as something I've produced from out of my own resources, then when I expend it, I feel like I'm losing it, that I'm wasting it. When I give something away, I'm, I'm taking something that's mine, my own, and I'm losing it because it's not now not in my possession. So to view everything you have as your own, as, as an owner, tends to produce possessiveness in the heart. But if you view everything you have, by the way, that my life, my body, my choice, that's, that's a worldly way of speaking. And you as a Christian have no right to speak about that way about yourself. You have no right. Because Paul the Apostle says um, in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that you were bought with a price. So glorify God and your body. You were bought with a price. It's not your body. You are not your own. But you belong to God. That's the, that's the first question in the children's catechism that I go through with my kids. What is your only hope in life and death? Answer, that you are not your own, but belong to God. So if, but if you resolve to review or to view everything you have as something that God has given to you, then you're free because it's God who constantly supplies for you daily and you can be a conduit through which God's blessings pass through rather than a dam which stops up God's blessings. So I want to free you up to view everything you have as something given and something with which you can worship God. Um, that's the theological basis I'm starting with today. Now I want to ask the question, why would one, why would one want to redirect back to God what he has already given to me. Why would you want to do that? I got four reasons for you. Number one, worship. You can use everything you have and offer it to the Lord 
as an act of worship. Don't you want to be a worshiper of God? Uh, There is this beautiful passage. I'm going to get this here because I have it highlighted. There's a beautiful passage in Exodus 35 when they're building the tabernacle. And the Lord builds the tabernacle with contributions from the people who had a willing heart and a stirred spirit. And here's what it says in Exodus 35. I'm, I'm reading through a few verses here. It says, take from among you a contribution to the Lord. Whoever is of a generous heart, let him bring the Lord's contribution. Let every skillful craftsman among you come and make all that the Lord commanded. And they came, everyone whose heart stirred him and everyone whose spirit moved him and brought the Lord's contribution to be used for the tent of meeting and for all its service and for all the holy garments. So they came, both men and women, all who were of a willing heart, brought bracelets and earrings and signet rings and armlets, all sorts of gold objects, every man dedicating an offering of gold to the Lord. And all the women whose hearts stirred them to use their skill spun goat's hair. And all the men and women, the people of Israel whose hearts moved them, to bring anything for the work that the Lord had commanded by Moses to be done, brought it as a freewill offering to the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful picture of a community coming together, offering their stuff in an act of worship as a freewill offering to the Lord? You can take your stuff and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me and all that is Without me, here, bless the Lord, O my soul. You can give it as a free will offering to the Lord. I think that's such a beautiful picture. Now, a free will offering, by the way, in the Old Testament, this became a regular sacrifice in the Old Testament law that is meant to express love, thanksgiving, and devotion to God. So does your heart stir you? You can give of your possessions as a free will offering to the Lord and take the blessings that he's poured out on you and turn it back to praise. So that's the first reason you might want to um, repurpose what God has given you and redirect it back to him. The next reason, so that's worship. The next reason is responsibility. It is a matter of fact that we will be held responsible for what God has given us to steward in this life. So you can worship. You can worship, but you also will be held responsible for what God has given you to steward in this life. What are you going to offer to God when you go to him? How will you build on the foundation that God has set? There is a awesome sermon preached by my good friend, John Piper. He doesn't know we're friends, but I... And um, it's called Seashells, the Seashells Sermon. And he asks the people that he's preaching to, what's a tragedy? What's a tragedy? And he gives two examples. Number one, there was a retired couple 
who made a lot of money. And in their early 50s, they decided to retire and move down to Florida, buy a condominium, and spend the whole day eating fine foods and then collecting seashells on the sand. (laughs) And then there are two old women who were widowed, and they decided to go and be missionaries off in some inconspicuous country. And one day their car was riding, and they plummeted off a cliff, and they crashed to their death on the way to some missionary project they were doing. And, and uh, John Piper says, What's a tr- which one is a tragedy? The ones who gave their life up on the mission field and died and plummeted to their death are the ones who retired early and, spend, and then spend their days collecting seashells. He says, that's the tragedy. That's the tragedy. What are you going to offer to the Lord? Look, Lord, my seashells. I've, collect, I've spent my whole life collecting seashells for you. I think that's such a beautiful and ugly picture. Here's how, here's how he um, kind of ends that illustration, John Piper. He says, one of the really sad things about this moment right now is that there are hundreds of you in this crowd who do not want your life to make a difference. All you want is to be liked. Maybe finish school, get a good job, find a husband or a wife, a nice house, a nice car, long weekends, good vacations, grow old, have a fun retirement, die easy, no hell. And that's all you want. You don't give a rip if your life counts on this earth for eternity. That's a tragedy. That's a tragedy. A tragedy is not going and dying young in the mission field. You will will hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. With that said, let's turn to Matthew 25, verse 14. Matthew 25, starting from verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven, it's going to be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted them with his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each one according to his ability. Then he went away. And he who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them and made five talents more. So also, he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of of the servants came home and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents here. I have made five talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. 
And he also, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I have made two talents more. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also, who had received the one talent, came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and at my coming I should have received my own with interest. So take the, the one who has the ten talents and give it to him. For everyone who has, who has will, will be given more, and he will have an abundance. But the one who, from whom uh, the one was given, even what he has will be taken away. The servant with one talent is condemned for sloth, a wicked and slothful servant. And the servant tries to, um, tries to uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just justify his actions. Yeah, that's kind of the word. But he, doesn't, he didn't do anything with what he was given. He just tries to make an excuse when he's on the spot. But he's condemned for sloth. Here's what one article said about that passage. Like the servants in the parable of the talents, we will be called to give an account of how we have administered everything we have been given, including our time, money, abilities, information, wisdom, relationships, and authority. And Jesus says you will even give an account for every careless word you speak. But here's the good news. Your life can count for something. God has given you something, right? He's given you stuff. You can take that and you can make it more for God's glory. Your, li- your life can glorify God. And you stand, you're here, you're alive and well. The time is not past. It is not past. And if you feel like, well, I've wasted a lot of my life, though. Well, God can give you back the years that the locusts have eaten. So listen to what the word of the Lord says. It's, while it's still called today, don't harden your hearts. You have an opportunity. You, you are safe in Christ, but you can also glorify God with what you've been given. And here in the end, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'm going to set you over much. That's another reason you might want to redirect back to God what he has given to you. You Your life can count. Another reason is that you've been commissioned. We have a commission, a great commission. And you can take what you have and come alongside of God's agenda for the world with that stuff. So think about money. You can can give money to a local church, which you do. And that can advance the kingdom because the local church then becomes a place 
where the word is preached, where disciples are made, where Christian community is formed, and then is sent out into the world. So what we're doing is I'm I'm equipping the saints right now for the work of ministry. And so when you're sowing into that, you're sowing into the Great Commission. You can give money to overseas missions like Heart Cry Missionary Society, which we support as a church. You can also think about this in your relationships. Do you know why most people don't come to church? One poll said I saw a few years ago. It's because they haven't been invited. You can come alongside God's agenda for the world with your relationships. Home. There's a, there's a little book Nydia read called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Do you have a home? You can use that um, You can use that to, to uh, be hospitable for the saints or for those who don't know the Lord, to get to know them so that you establish a relationship with them and perhaps, perchance, they would have come to a saving knowledge of Christ through your conversation with them and get into a local church and be discipled. So another reason that you might want to take what you have and repurpose it for God is because you've been given a great commission to come alongside God's agenda for the world. Lastly, lastly, another reason you might want to take what you've been given and redirect it back to God is because reward is a category in the New Testament. You can take earthly possessions and use them to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. So listen, worship and responsibility are the the important things. Those are the important things. But the Bible also uses reward in heaven as a motivation for Christian living. Let's go to Luke 12. Luke 12, 13. Luke 12, verse 13. Jesus gives another parable and says, Someone in the crowd asked him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me judge or arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store all these crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down the small barns I have and build larger ones. And there I can store all the grains and all of my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, You have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. That's the kind of person who lays 
treasure up for himself on earth and is not rich towards God. Put positively, you can be rich towards God. You can be rich towards God with the stuff that he's given you here. You can take that and invest it in something better. It is possible to be wealthy towards God. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, Jesus says, where moth and rust destroy it, but lay up for yourselves, and thieves break in and steal it, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. On Wednesday, we mentioned the Egyptian kings who were buried with their treasures. What a sad existence to have your treasures go to the grave. But you can store up treasures in heaven where these things will not be destroyed. Jim Elliot, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Hmm. When I was a banker, I was, um, my job was to get people to try to make a good investment with their money. And I remember this precious young man who was about 18 years old, and he got a settlement for $20,000. Um, and I encouraged him to invest that in the bank to get more money later on. And I just quickly this morning put in a calculator. And I, Nydia knows about mutual funds, so asked her about the return rate for a mutual fund. And if you put it, it, the, the, what to be expected is 11%. But I'm being safe. I'm saying 8%. Over 30 years, if you took $20,000, put it in a mutual fund with an average return of 8%, at the end of that 30 years, you'll have $204,651,000. So this could have grown. He could have made $183,000 of interest. But what this young man spent his money on was a new ATV. I think it was three tattoos, if I remember. One massive silver necklace with a diamond pendant in the shape of a skull and a set of gold teeth. That's what he spent the $20,000 on. A new ATV, tattoos, a big ugly necklace, and gold teeth. Now, that might seem like a good idea to a 17-year-old. It might. But my wager is that when he's 50, if he could go back, he would take the $20,000 and put it in the mutual fund, right? That's my wager. So it might seem like a good idea to be a consumer of everything you can be a good consumer of. Eat and drink for tomorrow we die, right? But my wager is, at the end of life, that kind of man 
will wish he made a different decision with what has been given to him. That's my wager. So those are the reasons that one might want to redirect back to God what God has given. Worship, a free will offering, responsibility because you'll be held accountable, a great commission because you can actually come alongside God's agenda for the world with your stuff, and uh, reward. Now, okay, so those are some motivations. How do I actually do this? I want I, This is such a big category that it's hard to to get very specific because we could. Ju- I could just preach for five hours on this, and you probably don't want me to do that. So I'm going to give you a few spheres, areas of your life that you need to start thinking about in terms of stewardship today. So here are some areas in your life that you need to start thinking about in terms of stewardship. Number one, and most obviously, your possessions. God has entrusted us all with material goods and money, which you can put in the service of the Lord. So think think houses, money, clothes, boats. What else you got? Cars. Start thinking about those things in terms of stewardship to the Lord. Um, Paul told the Philippians that when the money that they gave to him for mission was a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So do you want to take your your money and make it a sacrifice pleasing and acceptable to God? You can do that. You can also use your stuff to bless others. 1 Peter 4.9 says, Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. So, You can use what you have, the gift that God has given you, to serve others, and that's a way you can be a good steward of the grace that God has shown you, tangibly. You have to ask yourself the question, am I the kind of person that God would want to give more stuff to? Am I the kind of person that stops it up and hoards it up like the Luke 12 man and say to myself, soul, I've made a lot of good and I'm going to sit here and, and just enjoy it. Now, there's nothing wrong with enjoying good things. But there's something very good about sacrificing to the Lord. So uh, think, think about your possessions like manna. If you, hoard, if you hoarded manna, It would spoil overnight. That's like what possessions are in this life. Once we hoard things, possessions, they start to spoil and they become rottenness to us spiritually. Become a conduit, become a flowing stream where God can set down a little paper boat of blessing on that stream and it's going to go all the way into the ocean, into God's kingdom. So, possessions. Start thinking about stewardship in the sphere of your possessions. 
Number two, people. God has entrusted every one of us with relationships. Um, so what are you? Think about what you are in terms of who, what you're related to or who you're related to. So, for example, I'm first a Christian. I'm related to God. Then I'm secondly a husband to Nydia. Then I'm thirdly a father to Wesley and Elise. Let's stop right there because I could go about, I could say I'm a son. I could say I'm a pastor. I am an uncle. But I want to think about the immediate family for a second. God loves your children more than you do. And he's entrusted them to you to steward well. How will you present them to him? How will you present them to him? He has entrusted you with souls. How are you going to present those souls to him? Raise them in the fear and the instruction of the Lord. So family discipleship is such a beautiful key. And all you need to do with your children is read the Bible, pray, and maybe sing, and talk about God with them when you rise up and when you sit down. That's all you have to do. We do devotions three, maybe four times a week, family little uh, devotions. I go through a Bible story. I go through a few questions in the catechism. Not long. Sometimes it ends up in a spanking because they're misbehaving, and you've got to push through it, and you've got to be consistent. But over the years, that's what they'll remember. So what are you doing with the people that God has entrusted to you? Now, what if you failed in this? What if you feel like, but I, I could have done even, I could have done better. I could have done better. You can still steward them, even if they're out of your house in prayer, because the prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. And I have heard many stories about faithful prayer changing the hearts and lives of children. Love hopes all things and love believes all things. Amen? So it would be the loving thing if you felt like, man, I could have done better, to believe in hope that God's power is still able and that your prayers, that anything you ask in prayer, you will receive. That's the loving thing. That a mountain can move if you pray for your children. The seemingly impossible, in other words, can happen. So, what are you doing with the relationships that God has entrusted to you? It's very important that you sow into the lives of the people that are closest to you. And if you felt like, I failed, strengthen your weak knees, lift your drooping hands, and be devoted in prayer. Because God answers a desperate prayer. He w- Remember we talked about Hezekiah? He laid it before the Lord. And then the Lord slaughtered 185,000 enemies of Israel. He laid their threats before the Lord. So lay the threats of Satan before the Lord on behalf of your family and watch what he can do. And be consistent and pray and don't give up. 
All right. So people. So we've got possessions and people. Those are two spheres you need to start thinking about in terms of stewardship. Next is abilities and opportunities. In Exodus 35, that passage we read, this caught my eye. God says, let every skillful craftsman among you come and make what the Lord has commanded for the tabernacle. Every skillful craftsman. The Lord has given you skills and abilities that other people don't have, right? Don't be be shy. Don't be too humble. I know the Lord has given all of you certain abilities, opportunities, and skills that other people don't have. He's given it to you. And you can use that in the service of the Lord. So... um, I don't want to you know, pump a lot of people up, but I see a lot of people using their gifts in this church. So throughout, throughout my pastorate, throughout my whole pastorate here, four years coming up on four years now, um, I've seen Ingrid constantly make, um, what do you make, Ingrid? Blankets and, and clothes and, and stuff for people. She's a great sewer maker of cloth stuff. <laughs> so I really appreciate Ingrid, and she does it quietly, and she does it out of her heart to serve. That's a gift, right? And she does it to build up the fellowship, and I've always appreciated that about Ingrid. I'm sorry if I'm embarrassing you, Ingrid. Um, who else should I embarrass? Um, Jeff, let me embarrass you for a second. Jeff has been working on the YouTube, getting the videos together, um, getting the audio, splicing the audio and getting it out of the video and creating introductions for our YouTube channel. By the way, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel because we started that up. Um, Jeff has been using his gifts. He plays the instrument here, uh, the, that thing. The, uh, as you tell him, it's getting late in the sermon. My brain is getting tired. So just bear with me for 10 more minutes here. Um, Darcy makes cookies. She, she makes fellowship taste sweet. And she's also been making things for people. Yesterday, a bunch of you came out and used your manly hands to help move stuff from Romans Road. And I appreciate you, brothers. All right, I could go down the list, but you get my point. You get my point. All of you have been a blessing. Erica... By the way, you should see the notes that Erica took of our meeting. They are excellent, organized. I really appreciate that. And she, she leads the music up here. She gets the slides together. So point, I'll stop there. Point is this. You've been, you have stuff and abilities, right? And skills. Use it for the Lord. Be excellent for the Lord. Use that excellence of ability or opportunity or skill. Or even if you say, well, I don't even have that many skills. Just be available to the Lord. Remember that there's something called the might principle. M-I-T-E. Who put in more? The Pharisees who dumped a bunch of gold in the coffer? Or the old lady who gave one penny? And that's all she had. She put in more. 
because it's not in the amount, it's in the sacrifice. All right. Lastly, I want you to start thinking about your work, your vocation as an act of stewardship and worship to the Lord. Paul says, whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men. That's amazing to me. So whatever you do, work heartily for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive an inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. So you can serve the Lord with your work. So don't think, well, this is a bunch of secular stuff I do throughout the week. Take that and redirect it back to God in praise. So the, the tired mornings, the struggling throughout the day, the quality of work you can do, take that and give it to the Lord as an act of worship. There is no difference for a Christian between the secular and the sacred. The two are combined. The two, the secular sanctifies, or the other way around, the, the, the sacred sanctifies the secular for a Christian. So, steward the things below for the purpose of things above. That's what I encourage you to do today, and I, think, I really think that's what Scripture encourages us to do. And I forget who said this, but I like the quote. It's stewardship is not one more thing we have to do. It's a way of seeing everything we already do in a different light. See everything you do and have in a different light. Everything you have is a candidate for worship. So, thus ends our spiritual growth campaign. I I believe... I believe, by experience, that if you commit yourself to the things we spoke about over the next past two months, you will grow as a Christian. You will grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord. My aim is to get out a little guide I've been working on for a year or so on these things that I've been preaching on. And maybe we'll just print it up and put it in the back as a reference so that you can go back and say, how do I do that? How do I meditate on Scripture again? What does, that, what does that mean? Like, what am I doing? You know, what are those spheres of stewardship I can think in? How can I get started praying again? I'm going to put that all in a little booklet. We'll print it up here, and uh, I hope it'll be useful to you. But I also hope that you commit yourself to these things right now in life. Every blessing that God pours out, Turn it back to praise. Be rich towards God. Let's close in in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for you. We thank you for your son, for his death on the cross, and for his resurrection. May he be high and lifted up, Lord. We worship him, we adore him, and we love his appearance. And we wait for it with patience, eagerly. And Lord, we thank you for the things that you've given us, the stuff of earth. Knowing that they can be a detriment and a hindrance at times. 
So I, let, I, I pray that you would give us all the grace to take those things and instead of them being detriments and hindrances, let us repurpose them for your glory, Lord, and let it be a sweet-smelling sacrifice to you. Let it be a savor to you, Lord. We want to worship you with our hands and with physical objects. Come alongside us, Lord, and fulfill our resolve for good. Lord, I'm also asking for our church, and your hand seems to be moving. We've seen ups, we've seen downs, and now we've seen steady growth spiritually and numerically. We've seen building opportunities come and go, and now there seems to be one that your mighty arm has put in our place from out of nowhere. So our prayer collectively right now is that your will be done and your kingdom come, whatever that means for our congregation, Lord. But we will serve you. We will continue to seek to grow in you and to worship you with what we have. We commit our lives and the rest of this day to you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Amen. Well, which exhortation should I end with? Um, Romans 14, 7, 8. Remember this, congregation. For no one lives to himself, and, no, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. Amen and amen. If anyone would like special prayer, I would love to pray with you. God bless you.